Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 25. Bit of a drier match week this week. We, I mean, it's never a dull, never a dull moment in the Premier League. But comparatively to the other weeks, I guess you could say, without Manchester United, who are red hot, like uh, Newcastle also was off. Both those teams because of the EFL Cup final. You know, I would say the Chelsea loss is a big deal, but it's really not that big deal of a deal anymore. And then I would say the yep. Liverpool dropping points is a big deal, but it's really not that big of a deal anymore. So like all in all, oh, you know, Arsenal scrape out a victory, City handle business. Like it was, it was a pretty. Pretty, you know, another uh, another day at the office in the Premier League this week. Yeah, nothing too out of the ordinary. And like you said, obviously United and Newcastle not part of it, and so we we're missing two extra games. Brighton didn't play either. Uh, I don't know who uh, Newcastle was or United were supposed to play. Yeah, Fulham. Uh, no, was it Brighton? Uh, no, Fulham played. Fulham played. Fulham, Fulham played. But. Anyway, <laughs> before we get into all of the match week twenty five action. Let's uh let's do a brief Champions League coverage because I think it deserves to be talked about certainly. Starting off with one of my favorite games of the season, uh Real Madrid 5 Liverpool 2. <laughs> um that one was pretty spicy. Um yeah. <laughs> uh if the 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 I'm drawing lines in the air right now. You can't see it on audio, but like the trajectory of that game probably peaked and valleyed like six times. Um but it was it was pretty wild. I don't, know. I don't know how much no, it was about either. Um, I didn't catch too much of it because I was on a plane from Copenhagen mm-hmm. to Amsterdam. But, I mean, what a game. It had everything. Yeah. Two of the best goalkeepers in the world going pound for pound, for pound in terms <laughs> yeah. of errors. Being bad. Vinicius haunting <laughs> Liverpool again. Some god-awful zonal marking. Benzema scoring two at Anfield. It was it was not short of entertainment. Uh, another thing that's worth pointing out is uh, no Premier League club got better than a draw. Liverpool losing five two, Chelsea losing one nothing, Spurs losing one nothing, and City losing or uh, not losing, drawing one one at Leipzig. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that was the point of a little bit of banter between the uh, the fans of mo- the of the big five leagues that the Premier League likes to call themselves the best league in the world. Yet, um, they could not manage a single victory in their four Champions League fixtures. Uh, first leg. Yeah, it begs the question: Are we the farmers? <laughs> well, Napoli looks very good, and I, I think before the round of sixteen, I was kind of like Napoli could make a run, but they're not going to win it. Uh, they could very well, you know, uh, they were they're no worse than Chelsea was when they won it. So uh, they, Napoli could very well go on to win this thing. They're no, playing Napoli very well. Are yeah, that good. Yeah. I mean, they're 18 points clear at the top of Serie A. <laughs> they don't even need to play. Like, they can treat Serie A, like, with half an academy squad at this point. Like, yeah, they, they would take some doing to, to, to fuck that up. Like, they could, they could save their players for the Champions League, which there's certainly something to be said for that. Um, mm-hmm. Especially with so many young players that they got. Uh, I can't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but, like, Kerval Scala, you know what I'm talking about? Kavart Scalia. Kavart Scalia is, like, unbelievable. Like... If he was playing for Dortmund or was English, he'd be worth like 150 million pounds. Oh, if he was English, forget <laughs> that. 100, 150 mil minimum. <laughs> even, even just being from Georgia, it's just he's the first Georgian player I've ever seen in my entire life, and he's still got to be worth at least 100 mil in yeah. this market. The way he's playing. Anyways, we move on 
to some Match Week 25 coverage. Starting off with a Worst Team Wins update. If you're unfamiliar with the Worst Team Wins competition, it's a season-long competition between me and Ethan, where before the season, we filled 80 million pounds worth of FPL-style teams in order to make the worst team possible instead of making the best team possible. So the team that performs the worst over the course of the season wins. And so far, my team is performing much better than Ethan's. Give us an update. Yeah, you've been pretty good these past couple weeks, but that has come to a grinding halt. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming. My team, Garnacho Cheese, had 23 points this week, while Braden's team, Jesus died for our top ends, had 39 points. And to make things even more interesting, only five players actually played in Braden's team this week. Wow. And they all performed very well. <laughs> Emmy Martinez with nine points, Matip with six. Foden with 13, Holland with 10. So, well, I mean, Martinez had a shocker last week, so I think it, it yeah. evens out. It's probably net some zero there. Um, Anyways, that brings the season totals for Braylon to 909 points and for my team, 743. A little, little bit of ground to make up, but again, I'm still, I'm still confident I could at least make it interesting come like match week 30. Yeah, Abamyang, who your cap, who's your captain, still hasn't played in like a month and a half. So <laughs> I think he got subbed on this week. this, I think he got subbed on against Spurs. Yeah, it was the first time he was yeah. in the squad for like a month <laughs> and a half. But yeah. Speaking of Spurs versus Chelsea, that is the first game we'll be covering this week. Spurs two, Chelsea nil. Chelsea control the first fifteen minutes. Their possession style of play has been relatively fruitless since the window is open, and that's kind of the way it worked in the first 15. They generated chances, but just weren't lethal enough. Both teams had a couple nibbles before halftime. I believe Hoybier slammed the post on a long shot. Um, that was a result of some good Spurs play, but other than that, nothing to, nothing really going for either team. And then the 45th plus one is another one of these moments. Richarlison and Ziyech go at it, and then Emerson comes in and kind of like body checks Ziyech. And then Ziyech, like, turns around, like, isn't going to take that. By the way, Ziyech is probably, like, if they all had, a, like, a 22-man brawl, he'd probably come last. <laughs> like, he would just get his... Like, I could beat up Ziyech. Yeah, like, I don't know he, what he's he doing would just, starting He shit. would get his ass whooped by almost everybody. But he is the one that decides to get into the scruff the most. Um, he throws this, like, half... Like, it wasn't even a punch. It was kind of like this shove upwards that, like, caught Emerson on the cheek. Emerson obviously sells it. Um, VAR gives a... I'm not even sure how this works, but VAR gave the red. And, but VAR... I don't even think they could do this, but like VAR said, give the red, but go look at it yourself. So he gives the red, and then Stuart Atwell goes to the monitor, views it, and downgrades it to a yellow after looking at it. Which doesn't make any yeah. sense. This was one of the most confusing VAR sequences I think I've ever seen. So, first of all, just to start off, Ziyech should have been sent off here. Whether or not you believe yeah, that yeah, yeah. the little punch slash slap slash cat fight whatever thing happened with Emerson, whether you think it was a red or a yellow, I think most people would say that that would at least have to be a yellow. And then add in the fact that 10 seconds before, he just absolutely just body checked Richarlison from behind a pretty straightforward yellow card. At the very least, he should have been off for a double yellow. But, like you said, it seems like they did two VAR checks on the same yeah. exact incident, which I don't 
really think they can do because it's kind of just like double jeopardy. Yeah. So I think that it's possible that the red card was just from, uh, I forget who the head uh, referee was for this game. Was it Stuart Atwell? Atwell, Atwell was or the, was he the, in the, the VAR head booth? No, okay. Atwell was on the field, yeah. Okay, so I think what I think happened is that Atwell talked with his linesman and then gave the red card, and that's when VAR intervened. Or at least I hope that's how it went down, because mm-hmm. if VAR is just reviewing the same incident twice, then that's a whole other VAR issue, which the Premier League doesn't need. I also but think anyway... That, I also think that ZH <laughs> yeah, was on a yellow when it happened. Which is, like, I was... Listen, like, I think that's what Martin Tyler was saying, was that... No, I think, I think everyone thought... See, the issue here was that Stuart Atwell didn't give Ziyech a yellow for the challenge on Richarlison. But it was, since it was such a cynical challenge, everyone assumed that he had already given Ziyech the yellow card. And so they thought, well, okay, well, nowadays, like, slapped Emerson. This yeah. is the second yellow. But in actuality, Ziyech never got a yellow for the challenge on Richarlison, which was the confusing huh. part. Because everyone kind of assumed that he was already on a yellow. Okay, so that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, either way, Ziyech remains on the field after almost being halfway down the tunnel when Stuart Atwell, uh, when Stuart Atwell called him back. Um, nonetheless, goes into halftime nil-nil, but right off kickoff, a weak Chelsea clearance falls to Oliver Skip, who doesn't really aim. He kind of just kicks it as hard as he humanly possibly can in the general direction of the goal. Kepa sees it late, can't keep it out, goes off the bar and in for one nothing, and Chelsea's Bad fortunes, bad play, whatever you want to call it, just multiplies. Chelsea responds with a period of pressure that just wasn't really successful. Very reminiscent of the attacking play that they have shown the last couple of weeks. Displaying quality at some times, displaying chances, but the ball just ends up falling to Havertz or an off-form mount, and they just can't get it over the line. Um... And then the 82nd minute, a Hyungman Song corner finds the head of Eric Dyer, who nods it back post for a wide open Harry Kane to tap it into the empty net. Not, not as much of a tap, and you still need to get a, a little bit of mm-hmm. control, a little bit of technique behind it. But um, nonetheless, 2 0 to Spurs. That's the way it would finish. And Chelsea, 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 they simply cannot get a point nowadays. I, I, th- I I mean I know we ask it every week and every week we're like uh they'll probably give them time it just it just seems too unreasonable but then every week they keep losing it, it just if it wasn't Chelsea I'd say yeah they'd hold on but uh, if I woke up the next day and I saw Potter was sacked could I really be surprised Yeah it's such it's just such an interesting situation and I've I've already talked about it in previous podcasts that just the situation that Potter is in just favors his job security just because this season is almost already just like null and void like there's really (laughs) not much he can get out of it yeah so Chelsea might as well trust the process but then again two goal won the Champions League and they sacked him after six games this year so you really can't trust you really can't have any sense of you know safety in your job as the Chelsea manager I do think that they will stick with him till the end of the season unless things go really really sour i'm talking like 13th in the table or something yeah. like that um but yeah if as if there weren't enough ominous signs for this chelsea team when you're conceding 20 yard half volley bangers <laughs> to oliver skip 
who I think that was his first Premier League goal. It was like second ever. His first Tottenham, Tottenham goal. Oh yeah, it might have yeah. been his first ever Tottenham goal, honestly. But yeah, either way. Um, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, the second goal was really a classic Harry Kane goal from a corner. I swear he scores that goal so often where he's just yeah. sitting at the back post. Uh, he, yeah, but yeah, he's just so I, good at finding space in the box and the ball just finds him. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure I can really explain what's going on with Chelsea here. Because they were, like you said, in the first 15 minutes, they were completely dominating Spurs, completely control of the ball. Uh, I was very critical of the Enzo Fernandez signing. I didn't think it would work out like right now or they wouldn't have an impact. He looks really good. Uh, yeah, he does. The way he, his passes are really good. He's always looking to make something happen. So I've been really impressed with him. And really, I'm just at a loss for words to explain what's going on with Chelsea. The rest of the team, they just can't find anything yeah. in the final third and tack on the fact that one of their possibly only consistent players, Thiago Silva, is out for the next six yep. weeks. <laughs> the one thing but, that uh, yeah, go ahead. they do have is, for the most part, is a stable defense, even if they can't finish for their lives. Mm-hmm. Now they're losing their rock at the back. I mean, just goes from bad to worse. Yeah. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, this this is just an absolute season from hell. Because he went down early. He went down like the 25th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just an absolute season from hell for Chelsea. Like, it is a abs- like just a season from hell. But I found it interesting. One, I, I just found it really interesting that... um. Graham Potter brought up the Arteta project in the postseason in the press conference. <laughs> he was like, um, it's happened before. Hey guys, like you don't need to sack me. Like it, it, people have come back from this before. Um, but I think, uh, you know, jokes aside, that's a very good point is that Arsenal were in a, I'm not going to say the same spot because, you know, Arteta didn't have 600 million to spend, but yeah, like, they were in a very similar spot. In fact, they were in a worse spot. After like ten games, they were sitting like fifteenth. Like they were, they were in a bad spot. And no, I, I think was, it Arteta- was even longer than that. Yeah, the season. I was, I was Arteta out. Um, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans that were the same. A lot of Arsenal fans that have come around and have now thought Arteta could be our manager for the next 10, 15 years. So, I. Before the Arteta project, I would say there is absolutely no way Potter is coming back from this. It's only a matter of time. He could win games. He could lose games. He could draw games. He can get trophies. Maybe if he got trophies, he would stay. But like, it, it's just a matter of time for him. But now, I've always believed in Grand Potter. I've always been a fan of him at Brighton. Two years down the road, if if this team you know has a Premier League title in two years and an FA Cup and uh, like maybe even a Champions League run, this year, even like they could catch fire. I don't fucking know. Like they're missing a nine, and if Jao Felix, who's been decent, starts to like bang in goals all of a sudden, like they have so much talent. This this shit could turn around so quickly. They could they could find a place in Europa League by the end of the season. So I'm not gonna. I I don't even think a good run of form would get them in Champions League at this point. But it's just it's. I believe in this Chelsea squad. I believe in Graham Potter. I don't know what has to change, but I think it will at some point. If I were a Chelsea fan, I would almost say it can't get any worse. It literally can't because they have so much talent that, like, you could throw your jerseys on the field and still come tenth. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna drop any farther than tenth unless everybody gets injured. 
So, like, I think the only direction is up from here. And Graham Potter is a very good manager. Whether the spotlight is too big for him, whether this position is just not for him and he's just completely folding, it's uh, he's certainly folding right now. But I, I don't know. If I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm like, shit, that was bad. But, like, it could turn around so quickly. That's all I'm going to say. It could turn around very, very quickly. Yeah, I've, I think you pretty much hit the nail around the head there. I don't have too much else to say. I think you touched on everything I was thinking. Yeah. And like you, like you said, when you compare where Chelsea are now to you know the rock bottom of Arteta's uh, era of the Arteta era at Arsenal, I saw an Instagram post just an hour ago which showed uh, Arsenal's like ten game form in probably like twenty twenty, I think <laughs> when yeah. they were like fifteenth, they had. Six point five points from a possible thirty, so in ten games, right now Chelsea have, I believe, ten points from a possible thirty. So obviously it's not good, but yeah. it could be a lot worse. And like you say, they're tenth right now. Even if they string like three wins together, they can put themselves in like seventh or eighth. Yeah, and Arteta finished eighth two seasons in a row with Arsenal and look where he has them now so if anything this is really a time for Chelsea fans to as hard as it sounds to be optimistic because like you said the only way is up it can't get worse from here there's really not much else to take from this season so you might as well just get behind your team and trust the process I I honestly think one last thing before we move on this is like I think this is the perfect time like it's just the timing. If you're gonna if you're gonna suck, if this new squad, th- new six hundred million pound squad of young players is gonna suck, now's the best time to suck. It's March. You got what ten league games left, twelve league games left, plus a Champions League, which you can easily turn around at home. Uh, I think no. Are they going back to Dortmund? They're coming home. They're coming back home. They could easily turn that around. So you can give these young players Champions League. 16 maybe quarterfinal experience 12 league games and it like you could you, the, the season's thrown away it's trash it's gone these are all like like tune-ups essentially for next season now you have 12 games to tune up a young squad in the champions league and in the premier league like find something that works find these guys forms and then come may the whole season gets thrown in the trash and you can start from scratch so i think that if they start to hit form in May, in you know end of April, beginning of May, last couple games of the season, are they going to finish high in the table? No, maybe they clip seventh and and take a Europa League spot. But like, this is the best time to suck if you're Chelsea. You can you can figure it out by the end of this. If you can figure it out by the end of the season, you could be title contenders next season with how much squ- talent is in the squad. I think that there is an absolute path to them being a fantastic fantastic team a year's time. So yeah, that's what I'll say. And- the one thing I'll end on as an anecdote for Chelsea fans, in 2016, you guys finished 10th. The next <laughs> year, you won the title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been done before. Enough said. Moving away from the Premier League, because that was this is a pretty boring match week, all things considered. There was another game this week, and it was the EFL Cup Final. Wara Trophy for United. Out the door. No longer can say that. The title drought is over. 
New uh, Manchester United two, Newcastle United nil. Early in the game, te- teams trade chances. Newcastle had a decently good chance turned away um, by David de Gea. I don't even know how Saint Maximon does some of the things that he does on the ball, but he turned Diego Dallo into a literal. Oh my god, like, that was so filthy pretzel, <laughs> and didn't end up slipping it in. But if he did, that would have been like an Allen Iverson level like crossover. Even I was leaning the wrong way just watching that. <laughs> that was just pure filth. And then, um, that was through the first thirty minutes. In the thirty-third minute. A free kick whipped in from Luke Shaw, I believe. Finds the head of Casemiro, who tucks it quaintly into the bottom corner to give United the lead. Really, who else at this point? Casemiro has been freaking backpacking this team. He, not backpacking, but he has been the, the platform that has allowed the success of Fernandez, of Rashford. Uh, like, it, it's just... McTominay Fred, we know we talked about before, McTominay Fred just wasn't it. And they finally plug this one hole, and the draining stops, and now they're just a team on form. Now, granted, Newcastle, um, not necessarily on form. Also, with Laurie's carries and goal, who had a decently good game, as it turned out. Um, but I mean, United were deserving winners on the day. Third ninth minute, Veghorst slips in Rashford, who angles the ball at the goal from a, an acute angle, but it. Clips off of Sven Botman's foot and just over the outstretched arm of Carius, who had kind of like, kind of like set himself for, um, like a shot, a, a harder shot. It hit his foot, clips over him. Two nothing United. Obviously, the goal gets gifted to Rashford because he is just on form as ever. He was always going to get him the score sheet today. He made it happen. Couple chances traded after that. Bruno's a chance to make a three at the end. But all in all, a very, very nice, somewhat comfortable, very deserved win for Manchester United and a trophy for their good fortunes. Yeah, definitely a fantastic win for United. And you could tell what it meant to them. If you looked on the sidelines, how Dallow went up and hugged Ten Hag, how Rashford did the same. It was just a really, really yeah. significant achievement for United. But I think now the question has to be how should the league cup be valued as a trophy because obviously you know (laughs) seeing united win it their first trophy in six years they were celebrating like you know they've just won the premier league and it's a trophy it's a big achievement for them but when city did it four times in a row it seemed like few people bat an eyelash and they just said oh well you know it's a league cup they win it every year who cares so i think Mm. there is a middle ground or United putting are United fans putting a little too much emphasis on this achievement? Probably. I think they're blowing it up to be bigger than it actually is. But I do think that it is a trophy nonetheless. It is a big achievement to go and make a run in the cup. It's still something that not many teams do. There's a reason why only, you know, the best teams like City, like United do win these cups. So United definitely deserve a lot of credit and they'll be hoping that they can use it as a platform to win. You know, there's still three trophies up for grabs, even the Premier League this season. So Yeah. Could yeah. be a stepping stone for them. That that's kind of the way I thought of it, is that like is the the EFL Cup trophy, they also had uh if you look at the games they played, a quote unquote easy run. Again, like 
anyone could lose to anybody. You play your 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 academy players and you slip up to like fucking Southampton. It happens. Like it happens to every team. Um, but this is uh, like you said, more of a stepping stone. I think that this um this win can kind of give them. They're already <clears throat> playing with so much confidence, but this win could just give them that little extra bit of confidence to just take on any challenge that comes their way in the Premier League. And, you know, crazier shit has happened than Arsenal and City dropping, you know, eight more points in them throughout the course of the season and the, the rest of the games. And now all of a sudden we got a three-horse race. So I, I, I do, I believe in this Manchester City team now. I meant Manchester City. Manchester United team now. And uh, this win, I, I don't want to get too much into this EFL Cup final because, again, it, it is just an EFL Cup final. But I, I, I think that it could be a valuable, like you said, stepping stone to them pressuring for um you know a europa league trophy as well so um we will see but um some players that stood out aaron wabasaka obviously had a very very good game casemiro good as always like the aaron wabasaka stepping up has has been a very very nice um asset for them uh diego dallas has been good um but aaron wabasaka has obviously like when he, even when he came to united first uh when he when he just came to united he always had this this like ornate ability to win 1v1 challenges and not just in this game over the last three weeks he has had some challenges that he's had to face and he has met them with uh fantastic fantastic performances so having him back to his almost best especially defensively is is a huge asset for Eric Ting Hag and we're gonna have to look out for that over the course of the season but enough about the EFL Cup final let's finish up the match week 25 coverage with some scores from around the grounds Starting off with Fulham 1, Wolves 1, Fulham dropping points to Wolves, which is, again, Wolves are in pretty good form recently, um, so this is not necessarily a surprising result. Um, they did lose to Bournemouth last week, but I feel like just overall on the whole, they, they have picked up their, their form since the beginning of the season because they were dreadful at the beginning of the season. Um, but a, a nice point for Wolves, Fulham the form they've been on this season were probably disappointed not to take three, especially at home, but um solid one one draw. Everton nil, Aston Villa two, battle of the two relatively new managers, very two very experienced managers in the Premier League. Um but Aston Villa going to Everton, uh getting three points. A bit of an underrated result for this week because Villa have not been on fantastic form. Um they they had a decent performance against Arsenal uh last week, but again uh, the stats kind of show that that game was a little bit more one-sided than it may have turned out handled by city the week before that. So, um, and then lost to lesser city the week before that. So they haven't been on fantastic form three losses in a row. Um, so to go to good as a park, I think it's a, a bit of an underrated victory for them. Uh, Leicester city, nil arsenal one. This is a, a champions win. Should I say Did, didn't play their best on the day, but went to a, a, a park, of a team that is on decent form recently. Um, they did get mis- uh, dismantled by United last week, but they, they did have some good performances uh, in the weeks prior. They completely blitzed Spurs just a couple weeks ago. So um, this definitely could have been a trap game for Arsenal, but they got there. They got the job done. Um, there is that Ben White VAR controversy that we're not going to talk about because it doesn't matter. And I'm done talking about VAR, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, but it definitely, if it influenced the game would be worth talking about, cause I'm not entirely sure how much of a foul that was. And it's certainly not clear and obvious and clear and obvious is 
a word I could make a t-shirt for <laughs> because I've said it so many times on this podcast, but it, I, I don't know. It, we're, we'll, we'll stop talking about it because it's not worth talking about. Arsenal get three, and they continue their title charge. West Ham four, Nottingham four is a nail. A thumping win for West Ham uh, over their bottom six rivals, Nottingham Forest, who have been on decent form recently, but 4 nothing <clears throat> against any team for West Ham this season is not something that West Ham fans necessarily thought they would get. However, they did get it, and it, decent performance for West Ham. Maybe, maybe it's the start of some form for them going forward. I know goals have been few and far between, but uh, this could be the start of something, uh, of a little bit of a run to get them out of the, uh, the relegation battle, but we will see. Speaking of the relegation battle, uh, the prime relegation battle game of the week, Leeds United won Southampton nil. A huge three points for Leeds United. Um, rallied on by their home fans. They get three points against Southampton. They now currently sit outside of the relegation zone, even on 24 with all the relegation neighbors. Southampton now sit bottom on 18. Bournemouth on 21. Everton on 21. Round out the bottom three. And Leeds sit just above them on 22, one point behind West Ham. So certainly all to play for, but Leeds United needed that more than they needed air to breathe when it came to the relegation battle. Um, and it certainly would look doom and gloom for them had they not taken three. Certainly had they lost. Um, but they do get three. I, I do think they're a better team than Southampton, and they should have taken three. Uh, I believe I had Southam- uh, Southampton winning this game on form, but on paper, it, it seems like Leeds should be taking it. Um, and maybe that new manager bounce contributed as well. Um, Bournemouth won Manchester City four, nothing really to see here. A classic, sufficient all around, uh, Manchester City victory. Alvarez 15 in the 15th, Holland, then Foden, and then Chris Memphis goal with their four goals. Um, again, nothing really to see, just a dominant Man City performance on the road. Crystal Palace nil, Liverpool nil. Again, really nothing to see. Uh, Liverpool going to a tough place to play and putting in a mediocre performance is kind of just the story of their season. Um, it, does it raise concerns for Liverpool? Not many more concerns than there already were. Just lackluster going forward, lackluster in the midfield. And I guess, you know, clean sheet is the only way to take a point from a game like this when you can't put the ball in the net. And that's, I guess, what they did. Going to need to clean up those results, though, if they want any chance of top four. And that will round out the around the grounds for this week moving on to our match week 26 coverage starting off with our goal picks if you're unfamiliar with the goal picks competition it's another season-long competition between me and ethan where each week we look ahead to the match weeks coming up and we pick three players that we think are going to score a goal however the catch is that the other player can block three players from us taking so i can't just take kane sala maybe not sala this year but kane holland and rashford every single week ethan has the opportunity to block three players it's a bit of a mind games thing and Ethan, we'll get into the updates Updates now. Yeah, so only one goal to talk about from this past week, and that was courtesy of Ollie Watkins, who Brayden selected. So he's adding <laughs> to his tally again. I'm on a bit of a goal drought. I don't think I've had one in two, three weeks. So hopefully I'll be able to turn around my fortunes. That brings the season, totally, season tally <laughs> to 18 goals for me and 14 for Brayden. All right, Ethan, would you like to give me your picks? Yes, I would. So my first pick is going to be Bukayo Saka. I, even though it's probably obvious, I just had to pick an Arsenal player at home versus Bournemouth. I feel like it could be a bit of a double bluff here because I feel like Saka would probably be the most obvious choice. So maybe you tried to be a bit more 
niche with your pick, but I'm sure you probably pick somebody on Arsenal this week. But I'm picking Saka. For my second pick, I'm going with Brennan Johnson. Uh, a real uh, <laughs> redemption arc for him. He used to be the player we assigned to each other when we blocked each other's picks. But I think at home against Everton, yeah. he scored, I think, maybe like five goals this season. So he definitely has his moments. And I think he could have a moment or two against Everton. And for my third pick, I'm going with Ivan Tony. Uh 14 goals in the Premier League so far this season. Mm. He's just due for a goal. It's a good Brentford team at home against a good Fulham team, uh, mind you, but I definitely think there are goals for Tony to score in this game. You can have them. All three? You dodged them. For, you can have all three. Nice. You, uh, you dodged the Arsenal one. I went with Martinelli. Um, you, I, I also had... Um, Holland, and I had, I believe it was Mo Salah. I went with a couple of basic ones. Thought you'd All right. switch it up this week, but um, <clears throat> onto my pick. Starting off with Leandro Trossard. You're right. I did want to go with an Arsenal player this week. Um, he's been on very good form recently. He has taken over the number nine role from Eddie Nketiah. Um, so. Or maybe they move Martinelli into the nine. I'm pretty sure Trossard was through the middle for the most part. Um, either way, he is, he's is—he's gotten the start recently. He's only gotten 65, 70 minutes because Martinelli or um, Nketiah has come on to take his place. But um, I, I think that's enough for him to get a goal. He probably deserved one last week, and I think he's going to get one this week. Second one is going to be Kaoru Matoma, fresh off of his uh, postponement or his game post moment, a little bit of a bye week for him. I think he's going to be back storming the Premier League yet again, and he will get on the score sheet. Rounding it off will be Alan St. Maximon, back from injury, back in the starting lineup against uh, Manchester United in the FL Cup. Played very well, and I think he is going to get his first goal back from his injury this week. What do I got? You can have all three. Uh, all right. I was actually thinking about Matoma this week. It had been a while since we... This is one of us picked a Brighton player, so I was thinking about him. But no, my blocks were Rashford. I also blocked Martinelli, and Richarlison was my third. So you can have him. All right. And finally, our Match Week 26 predictions. Two games to predict this week, starting off with Man City versus Newcastle at the Etihad. What do you got? I have a draw here, 1-1 to be exact. I think Newcastle haven't been right. as formidable these past few weeks as they've been all season, but Man City are still a vulnerable team, and they seem to be very hot and cold. So I think I'm just going to go for a 1-1 draw. I think I, I'm going to take City in this one and be a little pessimistic as an Arsenal fan. I, I think that uh, City have had it in them recently, and they've also um, just going up against a Newcastle team that I don't really believe in right now. So, um, I mean, I believe in them as a team, but I just don't think they're at their peak, like, stinginess defensively that they normally are. So I'm going to go 2-1 City. Liverpool host United at Anfield. What do you got? Uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a really good game. Um, Liverpool usually get up for these games at Anfield, with the exception of Real Madrid in that midweek. But on the other hand, United look like one of the best sides in Europe right now. The amount of momentum they have from the cup final win to knocking out Barca, 
I honestly don't know if there's any team who can stop United right now. So I'm going to go United 2, Liverpool 1. United go and get three points. I am going to say that Liverpool will be stingy in this game. And they will take points from United. I'm almost tempted to go with Liverpool win. Because I just think Liverpool have just been kind of like this you know, bizarre world team this year. They, they took three points from City. On one of the on their one of their worst stretches of form all season, so I don't know. I think uh, United are just as on form as 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 on form can be. Uh, one one, and that will round out our podcast for this week. Match week twenty six coming up. I be- I believe in this match week more than I believed in last week. Last week kind of set us up for a little bit of a dry match week, but some nice tasty fixtures coming up this week. Two top six clashes. Oh. Big six slash top six clashes coming up. Um, And with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.